Welcome to the James Mellon Podcast. I am Dr. James Mellon, and I am here to help you live your greatest life ever by living life to the fullest. What you're about to hear is one of my Sunday talks from our Celebrations of Love. I hope you enjoy it. So I knew what we were singing today, and I, this woman talked to me yesterday and said, you know, sometimes I think the music at the Global Two Center is a little lively. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. She said, she said, I like the sacred music. I said, don't tune in tomorrow. <laughs> but I did tell her what we were going to do, so I hope you are watching. Um, the month is about vitality. Why am I out of breath? Because <laughs> I, was, I was like thinking I was flash dance. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so I know I shouldn't be doing that much. Uh, so this song, I want to tell you a story. So I did this song, with the, my choir did this song at a Silomar. Funny story, it was my first talk at Merrill, in Merrill Hall. And so I had the entire choir come and sing before I gave my talk. But the woman running, Pat, Pat, Campbell. Pat Campbell was running the conference and she said, if you're going to sing a song, I take that much time out of your talk. I was like, not a problem. You have 20 minutes. The clock's in front of you. When the clock says zero, you're done. Just say thank you and walk off the stage. So I was like, okay, I can do it. The song's about five minutes because you actually missed. There's like a whole version of the song where everybody sings tons of other stuff, but it's about Christmas hams and stuff and I didn't know how that applied today. So, so they sang, I gave my talk, and I'm talking and talking and talking. I'm like, well, it seems I can get my talk in in the time I had left. I, wa- I walked off stage, and Pat was like, you talked for 26 minutes. I said, no, I didn't. I, it said zero, and I, I wrapped up and left. And the woman, the woman running the slides, she went, I didn't think that was fair. I wanted to hear the song and his whole talk. And so I looked at Pat and I said, clearly that's not my mistake. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I was going to New York City to give that talk. And the talk was called, You Can't Stop the Beat. We went to, Phil- we went to Philadelphia to see my family. And we took Will and Nora. And I think they were like five, maybe five or six. Yeah. And we went to see my father who had been battling cancer. And we went and we saw him and we saw my stepmother and, and my, my, my brothers, my aunts and uncles. We had a great family visit. But my dad was the last one we saw. And when we left, I mean, it was clear that he was not going to beat cancer. But, you know, we had six months. He said, I'm, I'm good for like six months, maybe a year, they're telling me. And so we said goodbye we, got, we went to our hotel. We got up early to drive to New York City because I was about to give my first talk at Unity of New York, which was a 400-seat you know, theater and uh, the uh, symphony space on the Upper West Side. So we're driving into New York, and we're looking for a parking place. I'm trying every science of mind trick I can find in my head. I know that the perfect parking place shows up. I'll go around again. <laughs> The perfect parking place. As I'm doing this, Kevin gets a phone call. <clears throat> and he's on the phone. And I hear him go, hey. Oh, oh. Okay, um, let me call you afterwards. Goes, what's the matter? He goes, nothing. It's good. I said, no, what's the matter? Well, my father had passed away as I was looking for a parking place. And 
and a parking place opened up. So I pull into the parking place, and Kevin said, you do not have to do this. Uh, we can tell the, the, the head minister there, who was there, going to be there with me. It's not like he was missing. I wasn't replacing him. He said, we can ask him to do the talk. And I said, no, no. And then I feel these two little hands come up on my shoulders, which was my son. And he put his hands on my shoulders and leaned over to me, and he said, I'm sorry you lost your dad. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, talk about the generations. And I'm about to go in and give a talk on you can't stop the beat when clearly you can. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's what's going through my head. I'm like, how do I make this work? And so I, I said to Kevin, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to give the talk. Let, I'm, you know, I always teach my students, don't process anything in front of an audience that you haven't processed yourself, right? I'm like, I, we don't want to work out your, your stuff with you. We want you to have a point of view about it. Show us what perspective you've had with it. So, I'm in, <laughs> so I start my talk and I'm doing the talk, but in my head, I'm like, you have to tell them your father just died. And I'm like, no. It's not what we do. And I'm being inspirational, and people are laughing, and I'm doing my talk, and I'm making sense out of it. And then I said something about vitality, about energy. I said, you know, energy can never be created or destroyed. And we don't realize that. We are so, and I hear it come out of my mouth, we're so caught up with death and birth that we think those two things are finite. We have many births, and we will have many deaths. And I'm saying what's in my notes to say, and I was like, okay, hold on. <laughs> I said, I just want to tell you, just so you know who you're looking at and what's going on in my head as I'm telling you this, my father passed away a couple of hours ago, and the whole place went. I said, and it's not about that. He needed to go. He was happy to go. He wanted to be done with this version of his life. And so I didn't really work it out in front of them. The talk worked it out for me as I was giving it. And I don't think Will and Nora were in the talk. Didn't they go to the kids' room or something? I don't think they were there. I don't, I don't remember. Um, so the idea of you can't stop the beat, for me, is generational. Because we think we are only who we are here now in this moment. But I am my father. I am my father's father. I am my mother and my mother's father's mother, all of them, everything. And I will continue to be. And Will is me and my father and his father and his children will be me. It's all one thing. If we believe this thing of unity, then the vitality of life, the energy of life can never stop. So this song is extraordinarily spiritual. You can't stop the beat. You really can't. The only thing that can stop the beat is you. That's it. So the title of my talk today is, oh, I'll get it, Thor. <laughs> I know, but Thor does so much, I could at least press the button. <laughs> unstoppable. You and I are unstoppable, yes? yes. Do you all feel that way? Yes. Okay. Who said no? Did you say no? <laughs> She's new here. It's okay. <laughs> but no, but sometimes you don't feel unstoppable, do you? Sometimes you feel like, halt. Like you're stopped. Sometimes your life gives the impression that it has shut down somehow or that you can't go further. Something is stopping you emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever, right? 
That's the spirit. The spiritual truth about you is that you are unstoppable. But you know, there is spiritual truth and there is relative truth, right? There's the relative world that we live in that tells us very different things than the spiritual world that we sometimes rise up to. And our goal should be to live in the relative world from a spiritual perspective. That's what we're here to do. Ernest Holmes said this, you are bound by nothing except belief. And I wanted to build this entire talk around this quote. You are bound by nothing except belief. You are unstoppable until you believe you're not. That's how this works. So today, as we continue in this, uh, this, this month of vitality, I really want you to ask yourself, what do you have going on that you somehow believe is an issue, a problem, something that's stopping you? I'm in the middle of CPR right now, probably my favorite CPR we've ever done. And I'm really, <laughs> it's a good thing since I'm teaching it, I'm really understanding this <laughs> even deeper than I've ever understood it before. This thing about money. Money stops so many people from doing so many things and from being who they are here to be because they don't have the funding, they don't have the money, they don't have the, the resilience, they don't have the security. They don't, so many things that you think, 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 believe that you don't have. But as Ernest Holmes says, we are bound by nothing except belief. He goes on to say this, limitless possibilities are dependent on man's own concept and expression of this infinite power. And I, I loved that picture. It's like, okay, there's so many stairways, so many paths to take, so many opportunities to live out loud. Limitless possibilities are dependent on only one thing, your concept and your expression of this infinite power. The truth is you're unstoppable. Therefore, your concept of unstoppable should be what I put my mind to expresses perfectly. How's that feel? That's, that is the way you should be using your mind and nothing else, nothing else because you're bound by nothing except whatever that belief is. So I'm going to ask you, um, how do you express this thing called God? You know, I, I say... I am God and understanding I am God in the, I am the quantum field. I am that which is as everyone is. We're all this power. How do you express it? Because I think if we took a look at how we're expressing it, we might get a glimpse into what we believe. We might actually notice, oh, I must believe this because here's the decisions I'm making. I must believe this because I feel that I'm stuck and that I have no way out. If I believe that, then I don't really know who I am. I'm not really expressing that truth. Ernest Holmes has had such a huge, huge impact on my life. And going back now and reading the signs of mind and spirit from the beginning, I know we've said this all the time. I always feel like, did they rewrite this? Because I don't remember this. I don't remember this particular quote, but it hit me this time. Every, my book looks like some child just decided to write on it and just scribble everywhere because every, I have to use different colors to remind myself, when was this? When did I think that was important? It's, it's fascinating. So Anne Rand, I know she's a 
questionable person to, to quote, but I'm quoting her anyway, because I like what she said. The question isn't who is going to let me, it's who is going to stop me. Think about that. I think many of you, and I'm not pointing finger, I am pointing finger. <laughs> I'm, I don't mean to, I know I'm like, I'm not, I don't individually point a finger, but I think many of you are waiting to be let in. You're waiting to be given approval. You're waiting for someone or something to tell you it's okay to be powerful. It's okay to be rich. It's okay to have opulence. It's okay to have so much money that you wouldn't know what to do with it, except you would know exactly what to do with it. You're waiting for someone to tell you it's okay. And so I love what she said here. The question isn't who's going to let me. Who's going to stop me? And you know what? The only answer to you know the only answer to that, right? Well, who's going to stop you? That's it. Just you. It's n- no one can stop you. I, I love that movie, Life is Beautiful. Um, the, the, um, the guy in the concentration camp. It was like, you can do anything you want. You can't take away my mind. I can create whatever I want out of this, period, no matter where I am. It was a great, great movie to show that point. Right? So, I guess the real question becomes, what are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? To have what we want. To be who we want. And, and it can't be about shifting tides as we get older. If I had a dollar for every person of a certain age who said, you know, I'm, 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 beyond, I'm past that. That's not possible for me. Especially people when it comes to love, as we're in this Valentine's week, you know, so many people, they get to a certain age and they're like, oh, you know, who's going who's gonna to want me at this age? Well, a lot of people, a lot of people, and they don't have to be your age. They can be 20 years younger. <laughs> but we don't believe that. But you know what it is you don't believe? You don't believe how attractive you are. And I don't mean whether you wear makeup or the right clothes or you've had Botox. I don't mean any of that. I mean, you don't know how attractive you are. That there is that in you that attracts what you are equal to. That's being attractive. And when you are attractive that way, you are attracting what you are equal to, whether you're telling yourself you are unworthy. You'll attract every person to make sure you know that. Or that you're attracting all of the love in the universe because you say to yourself, which I just said to a woman this week, I said, try this out for size. There is someone for me in this world and I find him now. She was like, oh, wow. I said, yeah, there is someone and it has to be someone who's alive (laughs) right now. I said, because frankly, you know, there's someone walking the earth right now. Right now, this person exists. And she was clear it's going to be a man. Because I did say, I said, and open your, open your possibilities. Maybe it's a woman. She went, it's definitely a man. <laughs> I was like, okay. She goes, not that I have anything. I have no problem with that. But I do have a problem if I did it. So I was like, okay, I get it. So it's a man. <laughs> How tall? No. <laughs> it's a man. I said, so just, no. That man is walking around right now. What's going to attract him to you? You. Not him. You. You are going to to attract into your life exactly what you are equal to. (laughs) I'm not here to depress you. (laughs) But I'm here to give you the layout of the land here. This is how this works. So Ernest Holmes also says this. 
Such is the power of right thinking that it cancels and erases everything unlike itself. Just think about that. Such is the power of right thinking. You get into a place in your mind where you say to yourself, everything about me is wonderful. Everything about me is wonderful. If something pops up in my ear that says, yeah, but what about this? Okay, I see that, but I'm going to now know that I'm over that. I am, I am above that. Everything about me is wonderful. I attract only good into my life. There's an affirmation I use all the time. I attract only good into my life. And you've seen me attract some really gnarly crap in my life because I tend to do it out loud in front of you. So yeah, I have. That's, I don't then change my affirmation. I don't go, okay, I only attract good into my life most of the time. <laughs> no, no. And if some practitioner does that to you, call me. Yeah, I attract only good into my life. Therefore, whatever this is, I just haven't seen the good yet. This is what we call right thinking using your mind in a way to create what is yours to experience. So yesterday, I came across a young man who was so excited about what he was learning, so excited about the science of mind, so excited about Ernest Holmes. And he was a new minister, only licensed for a few months, and he was just amazing. And I, he sent me these, 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 these writings, these talks that he'd given, and he was giving, and they were so passionate and interesting and, and exciting. And, 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 and in one of them, he actually said, uh, I am God, Ernest Holmes. He quoted how Ernest, Gom, Ernest Combs, see, I even spell his name wrong. <laughs> how Ernest Holmes referenced the I am God thing. So I'm reading these things and I was just, I found myself in a pool of tears because they were my writings because I found a, pamph a, a big binder in my office when I was cleaning yesterday of my first year of ministry. And I had all the talks that I gave that year. And I started, I thought, oh, I should read the first one I gave. And I'm reading it, and he was so excited and so passionate and so clear. And I was like, huh, I said I am God back in, in 2003? I thought this was new to me. <laughs> I thought this was like the last 10 years I've been like hitting this thing that everybody's like, you really, really should slow down on that. No. I actually understood Ernest Holmes when I was a f new fledgling minister of only a few months. I understood, and I looked at it, and I went, because, you know, do you ever get that where you go, oh, my God, there I was, and here I am, and what has transpired between? I, w I told Karen yesterday when I ran into these papers, because she came down, and I was in the middle of reading them, she and Brad from their break, and <laughs> even if you don't see it, it's there. Even if you are not aware of how unstoppable you are, even if you are not clear, totally clear of your divinity, of who you can be in this world, it's there. Now, you may not all have the opportunity to go back 22 years and read something you wrote 22 years ago and realize you're actually still saying that. And I'm still as excited as I was then. Because now I feel, like, I feel like back then I was this really excited horse 
that was like just learning to be ridden and just, just letting out onto the field. And now I feel like a wild horse that nobody gets to ride but me. And I am out in the world and just telling it like it is through everything that happens to me. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. yeah. So, so, this is my last thing to give you today. You have everything you need to live an extraordinary life, so live it. If the only thing holding you back is your beliefs, then I will do whatever it takes to help you believe the truth of who you are. You are not a worm of the dust paying off your karma so that when you die, you'll have an extraordinary life in heaven with Jesus. It's just not the case. You are an extraordinary divine being right now, exactly as you are. It doesn't matter what you have done, what you have thought, where you are in your trajectory of living life to the fullest, you are right now the most extraordinary person you will ever be. So long as you believe it. So long as you get your yeah buts out of the way. So long as you stop finding every excuse in the universe to not live your dream. And you open yourself up like a wild horse to doing what is yours to do. Dropping into that quantum field of intuitive knowing where that field constantly tells you exactly where it is for you to go. And then going there. It's not enough, as Ernest Holmes said, it's not enough to understand this teaching. If we are not living it, we might as well not even understand it, because then it's frustrating, right? Because it's, it's frustrating as hell to know that I should be vibrantly healthy and successful and rich and not be. And the only reason why you are still not being those things is because you actually don't know it. You just intelligently think it. You have the information, but you haven't embodied it. And that means you're going to take it, chew it up, swallow it, make it part of you, embody it in the body. You're going to live it out loud from the inside out. The only thing stopping you is belief. So I know today that you walk away from here today believing the absolute truth of who you are. And as God, everything is possible. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the James Mellon Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the show. That way, you'll be sure to receive every new episode. And if you want to reach out and talk to me, you can always find me at my website, jamesmellon.org. Thanks again, and I will see you next time.